0: Welcome to Unprofessional. I'm Lex Friedman, joined, as always, by Dave Whiskus. Hello there. Hi, Dave. And today we are joined
1: by none other than iMore's Renee Ritchie. Hi, Rene. How are you? Good. Good morning. Good evening. I forget what part of the world Whiskus is in, but wherever he is, I hope it's good. I'm back home. I'm in Denver. I'm in my very own oh, home nice. right now. It's nice. very
0: rare that Dave spends more than two or three nights in the same place. It's true. I believe it's illegal. <laughs> yeah. I find my friends just crashes whenever I launch now because I added... Dave Wiskus is a friend. Yeah. Well, it's... I mean, it's fair that everyone shares the burden. <laughs> yeah. So, Renee, tell the people, who are you? What do you do? Uh,
1: I run a little website called iMore where I talk about iPhones and iPads far too much for anyone's damn good.
2: Nice. What's a, an iPad?
1: Uh, it's something Microsoft invented with handles. I'm not quite familiar with it.
2: Oh, okay.
1: That sounds cool. I got to
0: get one of those. If only yeah, it comes with a stylus. It.
1: great. Yeah.
0: As far as I'm concerned, it's a book. I'm only allowed to talk I'm not allowed to talk about technology but books are okay. It's a beautiful glass book.
2: It's a beautiful glass book.
0: So by day you do all this technology stuff. You you write about it, you think about it, you work with it. And I imagine that some of your off time is also playing with, you know, fun things like iPads and iPhones. But what do you do when you're not iPading
1: and iPhoning? What are some of your
0: your ways
1: to relax? Uh, I don't know if you could call it relaxing, but for the last decade or so, I've been doing a lot of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which is like a, the ultimate video game, except you actually get really hurt. That sounds fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I, uh, I am very unathletic. Tell me about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Uh,
1: it's, it's this thing that evolved from Judo by a bunch of Brazilians, mostly the Gracie family, and they started a, the ultimate fighting championship and it became very popular. And it's, ah. it's like wrestling, but with chokes and arm bars and. Various other amusements. And so the you, lesson here is don't
2: fuck with Renee.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's therapeutic. I mean, you'd be surprised how cathartic it is to just legally beat the crap out of people every day.
0: Is there a signal that you have to give when somebody's choking you and you're like, okay, I'm at death's door now?
1: You, you, you're supposed to tap out. But the thing is that when you're actually about to go unconscious, and this has happened to me several times, <laughs> your brain thinks you've done it. And then uh, you hear like this rushing sound and you start waking up wondering why people are in your, your bedroom. Wow.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have the wondering why people are in my bedroom part all the time, but man, I
1: i don't know. I don't like getting hit.
2: I'm very much against it. I'm actively against it.
1: You don't get hit in this. I stopped that when I was younger. You'd wake up, I'd wake up and my ears would be burning from getting hit. And I said, I'm too old for that. I have to stop. So now I just wake up with my arms and legs hurting. So if you don't get hit, how does it work? Uh, you get joint locked or you get choked. I mean, there's no impact trauma. It's just Hyper extensions and throttlings. <laughs> oh, that sounds great! And not in, not in up. the ISP kind. Yep. Why? Why? What situation are you ever going to find yourself in? When you do this. You know, I started. Younger, uh, because uh, cute girls that I knew were going getting into self defense. Oh, okay. So I just you hey, wanted to and I did Their self defense techniques.
0: You're like, wait a second. If all these girls are having self defense, <laughs> I've got to get much more good at you know beating people up.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it's a relative relationship, right? If they can kick your ass, then the whole thing starts off on a bad foot.
2: You need to be able to fend off their fending you off.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And then I just kept—they quit—and I kept doing it. And I have no idea why that happened. That doesn't make any sense to me you in know, hindsight. I, I honestly,
0: I have long wanted to do a self-defense class, but I feel like they're all women, and so I would feel really intimidated, especially when some women would undoubtedly be way, way better than I was. And they just want to kick you in the crotch, which is right. basically why they joined. Right? They—they—they—you know—they—they they want to be able to defend themselves against men, and so do I. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, the thing is, like, most self-defense classes aren't really self-defense. They're a bunch of people doing strange movements to make themselves feel better. But if you ever talk to someone who does real personal protection, it's obvious stuff, like, don't get off on that intersection. Don't, you know, because realistically, if someone opens up with a minigun in a McDonald's, there's there's no there's no ball kick in the world that's going to help you. Right. You don't want to be in that McDonald's. I saw there was – I can't remember what town it was, but
0: right after that, um, that Aurora, Illinois shooting, some town – somewhere in the U S had a video they put out for their citizens about what to do. If there's a crazed gunman in your building and the instructions were run. And if that's not possible, hide. And if that's not
2: possible, (laughs) fight, run, hide, fight. Hang on. Did you say Aurora, Illinois shooting? Yes, I did. Are you talking about the Batman thing?
0: Yeah, I, it's not. It's Aurora, Colorado. Yeah, yeah. that's a... Aurora, Illinois is where um, Wayne and Garth tape Wayne's world. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah.
1: I prefer to think of it instead of fight or flight. It's bamf or snicked. And, uh, I think that's a much, a much geekier way of putting it.
2: <laughs> so clearly you're a huge Batman fan.
1: But yeah, anything comic books. I picked up my first comic book when I was really young, and it end, ended up being the middle of the Dark Phoenix saga in the X Men, which is one of the you know the, the the hallmarks of geekdom, and I was just hooked from there. No, that was before my time. I read plenty about. it. I used
2: to collect the uh those Marvel trading cards about all of the the different heroes and villains and different eras in the Marvel universe, and so I I'd catch all the history on that, but I never read any of the issues.
1: Uh, well, those are the shiny tinfoil Jim Lee era ones, I'm guessing.
2: Yeah, yeah. And uh, even better, the, most of what I read was just about how nobody really dies in the Marvel Universe.
1: Yeah, they see this theory that you could never bring Bucky back, that Bucky was the only bulletproof death in comic books. No one would ever bring Bucky back, and then they brought Bucky back. So I don't I don't know what's sacred anymore in this universe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the idea of killing Superman or killing
1: Batman, it means nothing. No, I mean, they brought Phoenix, they brought Jean Grey back, much to Merlin Man's consternation.
2: I mean like in the in the movies and in, in comic book movies, like the idea of killing a superhero doesn 't really work
1: it, worst case scenario, let us reboot it. but do you ever notice how often i mean like Tim Burton killed off the joker in the first movie i I 'm not a giant you know i'm not a big brain when it comes to writing, but I think if you kill off the best villain in comics in the first movie you 're not going to go very far after that.
0: I just want to say I know that people like to with good reason like to insult some of the especially the the Tim Burton sequels in the Batman series the Joel Schumacher movies right uh, yeah with good reason right yes. and uh, they had nipples Lex they had right. nipples, they on, had the had bat nipples on the batsuits but i didn't mind it on um Alicia Silverstone's costume i don't know i just i thought the movies were were campy and they weren't and here's what i think it is i think they were funny movies to laugh at maybe unintentionally so they were Holy bad, rusted metal batman they were bad <laughs> batman movies let's say but i still think they could be looked at as entertaining pieces of campy art
1: chill out batman i'm mr freeze i'm going to turn you into ice (laughs) right (laughs) horrible yeah Uh,
0: and the uh, danny devito as, as the penguin like again i think is um he commits to the role in his own devitoian way. I don't know. I just I feel like those movies got. Uh, the, it's right to say that those are bad movies, but I think that you just they said are he was enjoyable. very
1: enthusiastic. Like you would just put your hands together and said, "Yeah, very enthusiastic about the penguin." I did. I literally did put my <laughs> hands together.
2: <laughs> but as as movies as movies, I, I get. I'm behind the whole. It's a good movie. Uh, stop thinking so much. I really do agree with that. I really do. Uh, but there are movies that even if you weren't expecting a masterpiece, uh, it's still a piece of shit.
1: Yeah, I'm of two minds. I, I, I realize that there are movies out there that are works of brilliance that I just don't like, that, you know, Academy Award-winning movies that I just don't find interesting. So I'm fine with that. But then there there, there are these legitimate train wrecks of movies where you, you – you even something like James Cameron, you know, the man wrote Terminator, the man wrote Aliens, and then he comes out with Titanic and, and Avatar. And I, I don't know if it was a muscle that atrophied or if there's some law of thermodynamics that declares the more money you make as a movie maker, the, the less time you put into writing. But – it seems like all these Lucesian sequels and Spielbergian sequels and Cameronian sequels just don't go anywhere.
2: I, I have the same feeling about the, the new Batman. These these two, Christopher Nolan, he's made some great great movies. You know, Memento, uh, yes. Inception, although it was overly expository. The first two of this new Batman trilogy, great movies.
1: Then the Dark Knight Rises comes out and it was just crap. I have this theory that Nolan has no idea how to end things. I think he did a good work with Memento because he started with the end and ended with the beginning. <laughs> but even, even like uh, Inception, uh, Inception to me was like the matrix if Keanu Reeves could never stop bullets at the end. They start off the movie telling this girl that she can never use her full dream powers because the people will come and get her. Then at the end, the people are coming and getting to get her. And I thought she's going to start, f- you know, folding mountains on these people and nothing. There was, there was absolutely no payoff. They put the gun on the mantle in the first scene and left it there for the rest of the movie. All I rewatched that recently on a plane, and the thing
2: that I couldn't get my head around was, uh, why is it, if the whole premise is that he's trying to do this so he can get back into the U.S. to see his kids, why doesn't he just call his dad and have them fly over to see him?
1: Yeah. See, they they need someone. They need someone to ask these. It's almost, I don't know if you ever watched those Plinkett reviews for movies, Red Letter Media. No. Oh, the really creepy ones? Yeah, but I mean, he is very astute at dissecting these things. And at one point when he's talking about Prometheus, he just stops, stares at the camera and says, why? And I don't think enough people in Hollywood ask that. (laughs) My favorite thing about Prometheus was the fact that you can only run in straight lines. The whole thing was incredible. It didn't make any sense. It's like there was someone took a linear narrative and broke it like it was a piece of gorilla glass and then tried to sell that as a movie. I think my objection with the... Chris Nolan's most recent Batman
0: movie is that it feels I think you're right, you know that he he clearly, you know, was struggling with ha- not just how do I end the series, but how do I end this specific movie of the series. Yes. And uh, you know, if it, it feels like you know the when the you know the first one that he does is is just really good and it's really good storytelling and really good uh you know really good characterizations and everything's really smart, but it, and it certainly it feels like he's trying hard but it feels like he's trying hard in a way that is effortless to him that is it it didn't feel like he had to you know flex muscles that he didn't have this seemed like this is a, a movie and a story that Christopher Nolan is born to tell but then with the third one it feels like okay now I must make another Christopher Nolan movie and as soon as you do that and I think that's the problem for Lucas and Spielberg and the rest I think it's once you're like I must make another movie in my oeuvre in my style and I think that's exactly the M. Night Shyamalan problem too it's like you can't
1: imitate yourself you either can feel it and be doing it or not. I think there's, I think they have two inherent problems. One is that he, he forgot that the third word after Dark Knight is detective. And I was sure that at the end of the movie, Natalia Knight or Natalia, uh, Al Ghul would say, I was one behind that. And he would have said, I know, this is how I got close enough to you to defuse the bomb. And he would have been playing them the whole time because that's the Batman mm-hmm. thing. But instead he ends up being an oaf. And there's this really weird Robin angle. And I think that they get so rich and so powerful that they, they distance themselves from critics and from editors. And they forget that proper criticism is painful and stuff you don't want to hear. And they get so isolated, uh, no one challenges their decisions anymore.
0: I don't even think they have to be isolated, right? I think it's just once you're that successful, you don't listen
2: to people saying no to you. Like, fuck you. I've made these great, big, giant, expensive, successful movies. And what, do you, what have you ever done? What do you know?
1: I'm Richard Dreyfus, I was in Jaws. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it, with uh, with Christopher Nolan, by the third one, it seemed like he was just trying to make the biggest movie he could. The biggest, most outlandish movie he could. Uh, a friend recently argued to me that it it didn't matter if the third Batman movie was good. What mattered is that, uh, or if the story made sense. What mattered is that it'd just be an entertaining piece of film. And I would buy that if the first two felt that way. I would buy it if if it weren't so much worse than, than the first and second movie. Then the second movie with Heath Ledger as the Joker, I'm not going to argue that anybody should have beaten that performance. It was really, really great. It, was, it, was, it transcended the movie. But to follow that up with a character who can't emote with his eyes and you never see his mouth, that's... And who you can barely understand. Totally unintelligible.
0: <laughs>
2: he sounds like Darth Vader doing a bad Stewie impression. <laughs>
1: Darth Vader gimp.
2: It's painful to listen. It's painful to watch because you uh, you you got a character who you you're trying to understand. You're trying to get his motivations, and you get nothing from him. He's just a he's just he may as well be a wooden post on the screen.
0: So I am firmly of the belief now, gentlemen, that given the uh, the economics in question and the number of people you need to watch and enjoy something in order for it to be a financial success, uh, that television is where the better you know, motion picture artistry is happening versus movies. That is to say, I think the TV is a much better place to find really good entertaining content now than, than movies
1: are. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, they stole Joss Whedon away from television, um, so they, they they got a bit of a, an edge in their corner again. But I think that you, you're right, they have the ability to experiment and try. The only thing I worry about is they don't give them the time to really establish a show anymore. It used to be, you know, the Cheers and the Seinfeld got a couple seasons to get established, and now Fox, I think, kills shows before they even order the pilots. Right. It's And I mean, I think that's a problem, but I still think that overall television
0: bats a higher batting average than movies. And it's, You know, what, what I think is happening is that the smaller networks are willing to wait longer so you know you look at uh, a show like i'm trying you know if you look at the shows on amc like walking dead or breaking bad they get great audiences for those networks they do terribly if they were you know if that was an nbc show it would be well like all the other nbc (laughs) shows that nobody watches but you know, it's. I, I think you're right that network television and Fox, especially, is terrible at this. You know, they'll cancel a show after one or two episodes, and some shows deserve to be. I mean, some shows yeah. the people involved should have been fired before anything even started. But when they don't give <laughs> these, you know, reasonable, intriguing dramas some time to grow, I think that's problematic.
1: What are you guys enjoying on? I, I don't get the fancy American channels. I have to wait until they filter down to the Canadian movie network. Um, do, you so you do what, do what are you enjoying now? Do, do I, you wait? Uh, I, I, on some occasions, get them earlier than I than I'm supposed to. Understood.
2: My favorite American TV show is this thing called Doctor Who. I can't figure out why they're always speaking in British <laughs> accents. I it's set somewhere in England, but it's it's a great American TV show.
1: I think they fake the British accent so that people don't don't you know cancel them They think it's masterpiece theater and leave them on the air. Smart. They they used to. Uh, when David Tennant was
2: the doctor, he's Scottish. So he used to fake the English accent.
1: It's sort of like when you ask people, they all watch PBS, but you know they, on the on the scores card they all say they watch PBS, but they're really watching TMZ. It's probably like that. <laughs>
0: I will say on the on the actual American television side, the two shows I already mentioned I really like, although Breaking Bad is miles better than Walking Dead. Um, and uh, on like the major network side, I, I have been extremely impressed with Modern Family's ability to stay fresh after several seasons. I'm in interest, intrigued to see how its fourth season goes because I think it's tough not to get repetitive at this point for that show. That does seem like a show you would really like. That seems like your sense of humor. Oh, I really like it. I mean, to me, it's the modern day, <laughs> modern day of the 2011 12 era, um, a, a sequel to, successor to Arrested Development, and I am unbelievably excited for Arrested Development to come back
2: uh, on Netflix. I, I completely disagree with that assessment.
0: Tell me why. I don't, think,
2: I don't think they're on the same plane. It's just not as funny. It's not as clever. Oh, I agree. I agree on both counts. I don't
0: think it's as funny. I don't think it's as clever. But I think it's as close as major network television is going to get right now.
2: Okay, but that that's that's a dubious thing to say. I mean, it's just that nothing else on television is very close to that. And I don't mean that nothing else on television is good, I just mean that nothing is anywhere close to arrest development. So being the closest, I guess I can see what you mean. But... What I think, what I
0: liked about Arrested Development the most is something that I, you're right that Modern Family doesn't do it nearly as well, but in that it rewarded attentive watching. The, the more attentively you watched, you know, the less distracted you were by, I guess there were an iPads, but the less distracted you were by computers or magazines or whatever the hell else people do while they watch television, the more you got out of the show, the more, uh, the funnier the jokes became and, you know, cross-referencing between episodes. Modern Family doesn't really do that. But I feel like the sensibility of the humor itself, uh, there's a common thread between what it's doing and what Arrested Development did. Not the same joke, certainly, and you know, not to the same extent, but I feel like that there's a, a sense of humor in common
1: between the two. A vibe? Okay. Yes, a vibe. R- Rene, were you a uh, an Arrested Development fan? I only watched one season of it when it arrived on Netflix. I did not see it in its original airing. This podcast is over. I'm hanging up. <laughs> I I liked it. I liked it. I have to watch more of it. I, I have high time constraints, but it, it is definitely one of the things I watched. I'm also still busy trying to figure out if The Newsroom is it's definitely not The West Wing good. It's definitely not Sports Night good. I believe it's, you know, Sunday was it Studio 60 good? Yes. Uh, I don't know if it'll get better. You know, have you did you finish
0: all of the first season of uh, I did. of Newsroom? You know, I I think it did get better with age, and I think it would be good for somebody who's not Aaron Sorgan, but I think it's I don't know. I love Aaron Sorgan. I love the West Wing and Sports Night in particular. But my issue with the newsroom is that it's I, I don't mind you know, there's there's a lot of people who object to the fact that the newsroom looks at old news stories and so of course they yeah. cover them brilliantly because they have all the benefit of you know at least sorkin has the benefit of hindsight to make sure they're covering the stories the right way that none of that phases me that's it's fine. like repeats right it's the, to me that's the same as the west wing where you know it's a more idealized version of it it's not reality based i have no problem with that what i have problem with is the storytelling seems like he's it's like a best of all my plot points that i've done on other shows already you know, this person's got a bodyguard. He's got a therapist who figured out what was wrong with him in the first minute, but he, he doesn't, doesn't like tell him for the last minute. And, you know, it's—and it's, it's and I don't feel like it's he's doing it as, I don't know, delicately, as cleverly as he did it on some other shows. There are episodes of the West Wing that nobody else could have written. Yes. Many episodes. You know, it's just the structure and the layers of depth with him, maybe even just the chronology of how he tells the story. I mean, and the you know, acting was much better. Yes. And I feel like on, on Newsroom, it's, it's a lot— the one or two episodes where he tried to play with
1: storytelling to make it a little bit less linear there was no actual benefit to his having done so and i don't know i like Like, it but i don't love it drunken sam watterson threatening to beat the shit out of people is just great on any episode sam watterson is the highlight of that show every episode he he really especially with the boat i mean that's what makes it classy
2: i've never seen the show and it's funny for me to be the one of us in this conversation to have not seen something lex i'm looking at you i was quiet when you talked about comic books yeah we should talk
0: about star wars and you get really quiet (laughs) I've seen some of the Star Wars movies. By by which
2: you mean you've seen some of a couple of the movies. It doesn't mean you've seen an entire movie, right? I've heard
0: of
1: the three POs. I've I've definitely heard of the three POs. I've (laughs) seen
0: 67% of the Star Wars movies by my count. I've seen four of six. That's not bad. There's only been three. Which one did you skip? (laughs) Um, I didn't see the middle one of the initial...
1: (laughs) The
0: initial trilogy, I didn't see episode five, and I didn't see the final. I didn't see episode three.
2: You didn't see episode five. That's the best movie. People always tell me that when I say I haven't seen that one. I've got the I've got Empire Strikes Back. The poster hanging up in my office here, right next to me.
1: Well, wait, do you mean Empire Strikes Back, or do you mean the fifth one? That like the fifth one. He's so confusing. Is it is it the the fifth one Lucas made or the, episode number five?
0: No, I'm I'm using episode five. No, episode five. The second episode number five. The second one he made. I didn't see.
2: Oh. Oh. Dead to me. <laughs> I know. You're dead
0: to me, Lex. I did see Galaxy Quest. That's like Star Trek, which is similar to Star Wars, right? Doesn't that no? No.
2: no. Doesn't count. So what's your what's your favorite Indiana Jones movie?
0: <laughs> I haven't seen those either, Dave. Ah Really? Were you, you in prison for a long period of the 1970s? <laughs> the, the, I mean, I wasn't alive in the 70s. I was born in 1980. Oh, okay. I You're a year older than me. I've seen all of these, right? And I just my those not movies my parents would be into, and they were the the gatekeepers of my entertainment consumption throughout you know my childhood. So if they weren't interested,
2: I didn't see it. For as long as I've been making fun of you for this, you've had plenty of opportunity to solve this problem. Yeah, I know, but isn't it weird to rent? I got to watch newsroom. Isn't it weird to rent (laughs) Indiana
0: Jones now? Like hasn't hasn't that ship simply sailed for me? No, coming out on Blu-ray, you can watch on your Mac. Yeah, wait. (laughs) I don't have a Blu-ray player. I feel like I'm sitting Blu-ray out. (laughs) <laughs> That's it on
2: the bench. I, yeah, I I'm, I'm moving that direction. I was a huge, huge fan of Blu-ray. Uh, I've, my DVD collection is uh, embarrassingly large. My Blu-ray collection is embarrassingly large, and uh, both were very expensive. Embarrassingly expensive. Same here. Expensive. Yeah. yeah, same here. Now I'm going mostly digital. I I'm much. Uh, I'm, now that my Apple TV is the way that I consume almost everything, uh, it's way harder for me to justify sticking a disc into something.
1: Sticking a what? Oh, a disc. Can we talk about Apple TV while X gets really quiet? Mm. Because I watch it all the time too. It's the only thing I use now. I have no more cable. I don't buy any more discs. It's just pure Apple TV. Well, now, so I think
2: think that marks the first time a guest has made fun of Lex for not being able to talk (laughs) about technology. But
0: let me ask you this, because Jason would appreciate this part of the conversation. Jason, I know you're listening. Don't fire me. Do you get your content, (laughs) Renee, from iTunes? Like, are you buying and renting movies from iTunes? Because that seems like to me like the most expensive way to consume digital media right
1: now. Uh, well, I had a bunch of when I bought a bunch of the Blu-rays that came with these digital download coupons. so I just stuck it into iTunes and got the digital download. But since I forget what version it was, it was a, uh when iCloud went live and I didn't have to download anything anymore. I can just buy it, go to the TV and stream it. Since then, it's just so convenient and the, the not get up off your ass tax. I'm happy to play. See, for me, it's
2: uh, we. this from a guy who's willing to like go and get his ass kicked or yes. kick other people's asses and pass after and, that, though. Right.
0: Wow. See I I just I can't get behind Apple's prices. I mean if Apple goes to a Netflix model, I think they'll blow it out of the water. But, you know, uh, for me it's it's HBO Go and Netflix and it's just st- we stream everything. Like I actually we still have the Netflix DVD subscription to get the stuff that's not available to stream from them. But um I just feel like the the iTunes pricing is so exorbitant when you look at what you know the eight or nine dollar a month fee for renting yeah. everything from Netflix I, I can't get
2: behind it. I can't get into it. Is it. HBO go is that one of those things that lets women pee standing up
0: No HBO go is great. that's close though I we don't get HBO. Because I'm too, you know, with the Netflix and everything else, I'm too cheap for that. But my in-laws get HBO Go. So what we, or they get HBO. HBO Go is an app for iPad, Roku, iPhone, et cetera. There's no Apple TV app, but I just stream it from my Mac and Mini that's my TV. And it just lets you watch everything that HBO has on demand. So like when I watched The Newsroom, it was watching it via HBO Go. The day after it airs, it's available on their website, on this HBO Go website. And you can just stream it and watch it. It's great.
1: See, I, I love the Netflix and I just – I will turn – like I'll put on all of the community and I'll just let the community play for like a day and a half <laughs> on Netflix and not care. Community is great. I think – you know what?
0: Community is also very, very, very much not as funny as Arrested Development, but it has – it does have in common with Arrested Development that rewarding of faithful, devoted
2: viewing. And
1: That's it has a year. lot of pulp cultural references, which I enjoy, like the like the paintball episodes or the Law & Order episodes or the Dungeons & Dragons episodes.
2: Right. Another show I haven't seen. What season is Community on? I think they just finished three. Oh, well then I can start watching it. My rule is that I won't watch anything until it's completed three seasons. I don't know how good this new season will be now that,
0: uh, you know, the creator Dan Harmon is gone, but uh, I'm intrigued to see what they do with it. My my guess is that it's going to try way too hard and this will be it. It's already a short order season, like 12 or 13 episodes, and I think this will be
1: it. And they have Chevy Chase playing a guy who's almost as mean as he is in real life, so I mean, (laughs) bonus. Now,
2: so did he Dave, beat you up as a kid or something? He's a dick. No, <laughs> he's a dick. widely
1: known as being
0: a really friendly guy. Now, you said, Dave, you don't watch a show unless it's got three seasons. For me, when we try new shows, because right now this is a very stressful time in my life, pilot season, where my wife and I are sampling all sorts of shows because we do take our television very seriously. We'll give new shows. Five, six, sometimes even seven episodes before we give up on them because I feel like it takes some shows that long to you know reach a groove, much longer than you know Fox is willing to give them. But we'll you know we'll wait you know that many episodes to see if a show goes from even crappy to good because we think it can it can
2: take that long. Uh, yeah, I can't I can't do that. I've got to <laughs> I've got to know from friends. I have to have heard about it a certain number of times. People have had to tell me how great something is, and then eventually I'll get around to it. Have you started Breaking Bad yet? Oh yeah, just uh, I'm all caught up. Okay, good. But I didn't start watching that until over the summer when I was in Amsterdam.
1: I just realized that means you can never, ever watch Firefly
2: because it will never hit three seasons. <laughs> well, no, that's that's the thing. Firefly was canceled, so I knew that it was done and over. But I didn't watch it until two or three years after it was canceled.
0: <laughs> Plus, he knew it had to be good because Fox canceled it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they just let all the other the crappy shows play. They have a it was this thing there was this rumor about the x-men movie that fox didn't want to make it and they tried everything they could to make it bad and then it was a success so they made the second x-men movie and they tried to reduce their budget and reduce their schedule time and it was still good so finally they tried to make it so cheap and so short that brian singer just quit uh and they ended up making a really crappy movie and even that made money and it's interesting that the pride of a studio will sometimes get in the way of their own self-interest the x-men movie yeah you didn't like it I like the first. I mean, I thought the first two were really interesting, and I liked where Brian Singer was going. I thought the third one was like one of those wacky Saturday morning cartoon shows made by someone who's given a bunch of characters. Oh, that, that's exactly what happened. It was yeah. uh, Brett Ratner. Yeah. I haven't ago. seen any of those. He's nothing without Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. <laughs> you know
2: what's a terrible... I hope this is okay
0: to say. I mean, I haven't seen The Avengers yet because I, I don't see movies in theaters very often. What is wrong with you? I have three kids, You should Dave. stop the podcast right now and make him get out and walk. I'm going I'm to see it. I'm going to see it. But uh, I know Thor is in the Avengers, but we, my niece was here, and she wanted to watch the Thor movie, and it's on Netflix, so we watched it. And I thought the Thor movie was just about the worst movie I've ever seen. Am I alone in that? Like, do, do comic book guys like the Thor movie? Because I just thought it, that Thor was terrible. It, was,
2: it wasn't that bad, but it wasn't good. I mean, it, it wasn't... Huh,
1: it was okay. I liked the beginning, and I liked the end, and there was stuff in the middle <laughs> yes. that I waited to get to the end.
0: I see I, I found that the middle was just so I I, I don't know. I felt it was pandering not even to the right audience. I felt it was like pandering to kids with just dopiness. I don't know. I just felt like it, there was that the you know, you look at the storytelling in better uh I don't know, superhero movies and you know, they sometimes really
2: work at it. And it felt like here it was just like lazy. I didn't like it. I liked
1: uh I liked it when it got to the Foo fighter song at the very end. I enjoyed that. I'm not even sure then. No, I mean, I, I, liked the, I liked it when he got his armor back and he hit people with his hammer because he's a guy in armor hitting people with his hammer. Right. That that's wasn't, true. wasn't much more You spend the whole movie waiting for that is the yes. problem. Right. I
0: kept saying, stop, come on, it should be hammer time by now. And then finally oh. it was. Well,
1: that's the that's giant problem. It's a lot of these movies, that they want to they tell an origin or they want to tell a coming of age or a Joseph Campbell arc. And we just want to see people hit things. It's a very simple formula.
0: It's funny how rarely, and I, I maybe we're wrong about this and they're right about this, but I doubt it. But it's funny how rarely you get a superhero movie where it's like... Give us the procedural. Skip the origin and just give us, you know, the daily life of I'm a superhero and I do saving things every day. I get that, you know, with Batman, they want to tell big, sweeping stories and and large Gotham-driven narratives. But, like, I'm interested in, you know, just the, say, Spider-Man's day-to-day. I want to, you know, like, well, today I'm going to go bust up this
2: mugging and uh, this attempted murder. Oh, I I, thought you meant, like, him buying groceries because I would watch (laughs) that show. That would be good, too. For all the same reasons we do this show, I would love watching that show. <laughs> he just <laughs> happens
1: to be Spider-Man, but really it's Seinfeld. You know, it's just. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to me, this show is uh, superheroes when they're not in costume, just sitting around talking about shit. And it would be, it'd be really cool to watch that show. As like, opposed to really listening to it.
0: Oh, I see. Literally superheroes.
2: Yeah, that movie, that show, whatever it is, I would love to see superheroes out of costume just like being normal people.
0: Especially if they're all hanging out together and they're like just getting coffee at the diner. Well, there's a yeah. stuff
2: they never addressed, and they kind of poked at it in the first first spider man movie uh what happens when you have superpowers in your day to day life? How tempted are you to use them? That's a really interesting concept, and they touched on it for like thirty seconds when he was getting beaten up
0: I will say that the the closest thing to a superhero movie that really deals with that would be the original team Wolf. <laughs> 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 oh but boy can he slam dunk at the end God, sure see, right I mean but I mean for a long time he's like I'm gonna do the wolf because you know that makes things easier he uses the wolf to get the girl he uses the wolf to get the part he uses the wolf to intimidate his principal and make him wet his pants I haven't it's, seen
2: the movie he uses the girl the, the girl he uses the, the wolf to get the girl does he use the wolf
0: yes the girl really? is definitely
2: into animals yes whoa that girl is so hot god I loved
1: that girl
0: I have no how idea did, what her name is how did anything. that
1: movie get made how is that okay Michael J. Fox. It was a six, what was the 80s. I think well, this, this was
0: before um, Back to the Future. But remember, he went from that to a movie where his mother fell in love with him. So it's... I mean, he's clearly into the creepy relationships.
1: Yeah. That's almost Luke and Leia creepy. Yeah.
2: Lex doesn't get that.
1: Luke and Leia. Star, Star <laughs> Wars. I'm with you. I just watched the, the... They made a cartoon out of Frank Miller's The Dark Knight, which was one of... I guess, the most formative, transformative comic books of the 1980s. And it was it was really well done, but they took out all the inner monologue, which made the original story so interesting. It was a very odd choice for me. When did you do that? I don't know. It was some of the best writing they ever did. So they figured, oh, we'll take that out. That's going to annoy people having to listen.
0: <laughs> when you read books or comic books, um, do you think about... <laughs> I have this thing where I think about how I how the movie would be made. This is you know for stories that haven't yet been made or maybe never would be made into movies. But I think about how the movie would look, and I, I at least understand the challenge of when you have lots and lots of very close to the vest narration or inner monologue. It's it's hard to think about how you would depict that on screen. But do you think about that as you're reading?
1: Yeah, well, that's my background. I, I did a lot of story breakdowns when I was young. Uh So I, I always found that a very easy linear transference from panels to almost like, like movies, because almost every movie starts that way, right? And I did animation when I was younger. So you break it down into storyboards, and that makes the movie for you. So for me, it was almost like a one to one uh ratio to begin with. Well, it's boring. I mean, any job you have destroys any ability to enjoy something. Like, if you work in typography, all you do, you don't see signs anymore. You say, oh, God, Mistral again? And then if you're <laughs> if you're a mechanic, oh, that car, like, you, you watched Dukes of Hazzard, oh, there's no way that car survived it. Oh, they broke a car every episode, of course. You know, you know, whatever career you have just utterly destroys your ability to enjoy any theatrical presentation of that career. Yeah.
2: I was on a panel at uh, NSConf a couple days ago, and somebody in the audience asked uh, about b- going from being just a developer to developer and designer. How do you get into design and my advice was the first thing you've, you've got to do is embrace the fact that you're gonna ruin your life. Like you're gonna see the world, you're gonna see everything that's broken, and it's gonna drive you nuts. Yeah, I don't know if I have that. But like, so
0: the thing that I have, you know, with movies, you know, my dad was a doctor, so you know he couldn't really watch and enjoy anything like ER, Chicago Hope, any kind of medical show. He would just scream the whole time about everything they were getting wrong. But you know, I'm a writer, so I just I just like and enjoy the storytelling. But there's no the, way Carrie Bradshaw could write like that. Yeah, the thing <laughs> that gets the two things that bothers me are. One <laughs> when people write stuff when people are typing and they're talking out loud in movies and shows, or when they're even when they're handwriting as somebody else is talking and it goes way too fast for them to possibly be writing down. I don't like that. And then two, just anytime I watch any kind of movie or TV show, my brain, without my seemingly exerting conscious effort for it, is very astute at identifying continuity errors. And I can't help but
1: point them out to my wife who has no interest in hearing about them. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I've ended relationships that way, too.
1: Yeah. Who hasn't? Yeah, no, you're not a true geek if you have not.
2: Yeah, the, but my problem, I, I can let go of it. I can let go of of the need to, to have everything be right, as long as it's internally consistent.
1: Right, as long as they said, that's that big Shyamalan thing where he sets up the, I'm totally mispronouncing his last name and trying to say it fast enough that nobody notices. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 he sets up the internal rules of the movie, and then he feels like as long as he sticks to him, you can do any kind of outrageous stuff you want. Just say his last name in the Bane voice. <laughs> Uh, the bane, that'll save me a lot of embarrassment the bane voice i'm gonna do that for every podcast in the future that's a good idea i just can't believe going i know we're
0: looping back full circle now but i just can't believe that at no point in that movie did anybody say hey i can't understand what the hell this guy is saying this kind of ruins our story a little bit doesn't anyone agree
2: he sounds like somebody locked rex harrison in a closet <laughs>
0: Can you please take that off and enunciate? (laughs) Do you think the audio sounded clear? And They're like, you know what? He's wearing that mask. Let's tweak this in post to make it sound more muddled. (laughs) Can can you hear me
2: all right, Mr. Nolan?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It worked for James Earl Jones. Damn it'll it work for me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm pretty sure they stuck a microphone in that little mask and they just recorded (laughs) his audio and didn't bother like looping it.
1: Maybe they got Charlie Brown's teacher to do the audio. That was (laughs) the closest thing I I could figure
2: there's i could go on i have uh for hours about everything that's wrong with that movie i could spend more time than the movie takes to, to <laughs> go through the list of everything that's wrong with that movie
0: so i am not asking you to name the perfect movie but what do you think is a perfect movie what's a movie that passes
2: the whiskers test oh i'm gonna get so much shit for this fight club
1: that's not a bad choice why would you get shit for saying fight club it's an awesome movie
2: I, I don't know. It's it's sort of a cliche thing to say, but the truth is that there's just in I've I've seen it probably a hundred times, and I'm not. That's not hyperbole. I really have seen it at least a hundred times. I've never found anything wrong with that movie.
1: There's subliminal, nothing about it I don't. Subliminal like. penises. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wait. There's a what? <laughs> I never knew. <laughs> I never <laughs> no, wait wait, I think that's a fine. <laughs>
0: you know, I I really like Fight Club. I feel like there's that. Early on, it gives the wrong impression about what kind of movie it is, and that sometime in the middle, it can a little bit drag. But I think overall, it's a very well-made movie.
2: I I approve of that choice. It's the only time I've ever watched a movie. Uh, It was so highly recommended to me that I went and bought the DVD. And I only saw this, uh, it was like 2001, 2002. So a couple years after it came out. It was so highly recommended. I went and bought the DVD. And I went home and I watched it. And as soon as it ended, I hit play again. And the second time through it was a different movie. i watched It wasn't watching the same movie twice, but I've never done that before or since with any other movie. yeah, I don't know if I've ever done that with a movie. Renee, what would you pick
1: uh I don't know you see I, I have this weird thing where I can't have favorites, I'm just genetically indisposed from having favorites, so I, I watch a lot of things like I watched The Matrix many, many times. I've watched Avengers many, many times. watched the original Star Wars and Empire many, many times um I, I, it's the same thing as long as they're internally consistent and i enjoy them and i feel like they don't waste my time i'm happy to to keep watching them like bill and ted's excellent adventure i've seen that a couple times i haven't seen that in a while though i should rewatch that i
2: just meant the internal consistency thing their their approach to time travel is very internally consistent it's stupid but it's internally consistent
1: i like that warren ellis model where you can't travel back in time until a time machine is invented that's the earliest point in time you can travel back to that is smart
0: I would say that, I mean, My Cousin Vinny has long been my favorite movie, but the movie that I would say is, uh, a movie that I would say follows Renee's rules here of being very adherent to its own internal rules and, and, you know, just being very well executed is
1: uh, Groundhog Day. Almost religiously so. Yeah. I would agree with that. And Angry Bill Murray. I mean, there really is no other Bill Murray. I think it's,
0: I, I, I think it's. Including Ghostbusters, including any of the Wes Anderson movies, I think is Bill uh, Bill Murray's best role ever.
1: It was a transcendent act of Murraydom.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's it was just, I mean, it, was, it did not feel like acting. You know, we're talking about, you know, when Nolan writes a movie and it feels
1: like he's just doing what he knows how to do. Like, that to me was, that was Bill Murray. Like, you expect him to be that way. Yeah, there's this thing where someone just breathes out and they are the character and you can feel that in a movie. And it just, when you, when you stop believing that it's a movie, when you can actually suspend disbelief, I think that's when it's really, that's when I can start watching those movies over and over again. Ghostbusters for me, I can
2: watch Ghostbusters over and over again, and I just have. uh, Recently, I rewatched it when I was in uh, when I was over there. The girl that I was seeing, she had never seen Ghostbusters, which is why you're back here. That would shock me if I didn't know Lex. (laughs) How could anybody not have seen? Well, I guess Lex hasn't seen Empire or an Indiana Jones movie, so this isn't so crazy. So I sit down and I show her Ghostbusters for the first time, and what got me about here's somebody who is an adult who had never seen this movie before watching it for the first time. The thing that she found to be unbelievable was that uh, Sigourney Weaver would go for Bill Murray. <laughs> she thought she thought that Dana going for Vankman was just completely unbelievable because he was such an annoying shit to her. And watching it, I kind of agreed. It might have ruined Ghostbusters. But it's a testament to that type of storytelling.
1: No, it, it totally ruined Ghostbusters. I mean, that's the thing. That's the power of the scriptwriter, especially if you're a powerful star. You're like, yeah, get me the hot chick. Hot chick goes for me. It's almost like the Burt Reynolds thing. I got a car. I got a hot chick.
2: Right. right. Well, the, it's it's also the power of the story, uh, storytelling of Ghostbusters that you start out so small and so believable that and you gradually build so that by the end, when it's a giant marshmallow man, you're just in. You agree. That seems plausible to you. You build the universe.
0: I felt so angry at Bill Murray in the beginning of that movie when he's doing administering the ESP test and he's rewarding the attractive girl and he keeps buzzing the guy because the guy clearly demonstrably has extrasensory perception and he's not telling him or the world about it. And I think that's a problem. You guys know the scene I'm
2: referring you, to. Right? You're concerned about the ethical implications of Peter Well, not, not just that, but he's like, he's holding
0: the world back. Like this is a guy who actually can predict what shapes are on these cards. There must be a practical application for that. Maybe that guy should be helping us, you know, deal with the underworld creatures who are invading our earth. And yeah, it makes me angry. <laughs>
2: You should write him a letter. We should start doing ESP testing on our own. And if we find anything, we'll tell the world. All right. Renee, I'm holding up a shape right now.
1: What do you think it is? I think it's the shape of a stupidor. That's... that's, I have no idea what a stupidor is, so I might be right.
0: You're exactly right. I don't know what it is either, so that's clearly
2: you read my mind. I was thinking of a rhombus.
1: (laughs) A parallelogram.